Hola, hola, que tal? It's Isusko, aka the time scheduler. Um, and welcome to what's going to be, I hope, one of many, but it's the first case study week where we're just going to look at a project or a film um, or a company for the full five days. And this week we've been blessed with London based production company Familia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we just got some amazing chats for you. So, I'm going to double out in the intro one of the director's shout-outs, which is POC, P-O-C-C, um, and I'm going to read this, but it was founded in 2018 as a small WhatsApp group, which has now grown to a community of culture created by people of colour to help people of colour positively change their experience within the creative industries. Um, so it's an amazing shout. So go to wearepoc.com. And now, let's get started. Let's get started. So hello from family. Um, this is Familiar Week. Uh, it's a case study looking at the top to bottom of a, of a London production company. Um, I'm very fortunate to be able to call a few of the, the people that were speaking to friends who I started off my career in the industry with. Um, and you'll find that some people talk about wanting to do stuff and other people just get the fuck on with it. And this dude just got the fuck on with it. Um, so I have so much love and respect for what he's done and, and where he's at. Um, what's your name, Matt? I'm just, just going to stop. It's you now. So what's your name and what's your role on the call sheet? Um, hey, Cisco. So um, my name is Sasha Nathwani and um, I go by the name Sashinsky. I'm a filmmaker, but more specifically, a music video and commercials director. Nice. Why Sashinsky? Uh, so... About, what was it? Maybe, I don't know, it's about seven or eight years ago now. Um, I was on about a, a, a six or seven month cold streak where I was pitching all the time and not winning. Um, and I noticed or at that time, a lot of directors were kind of just going by a single name. A lot of directors that I kind of liked and admired. Hmm. Um, Nabil, Megaforce, Bison, Us, 32, Nez. You know, all these people doing really great work. Um, and in the office... Francis, who I know you've spoken to, um, he calls me Sashinsky just just for fun. Nice. So on one of my treatments, I kind of signed off as Sashinsky and I won the job. Boom. And then I I kept it going for the next few months. <laughs> I went on a little bit of a hot streak and then I decided just to, to run with it. Um, it's like Suarez so, yeah. with his lucky pants. You're like, I'm never changing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Like the thing is, I've I've known you and I've worked with you for. God knows however many years. I've I've just never asked you. And I'm really pleased that I've just asked you that because I've never, I just never knew it. Amazing. So what does yeah. directing mean to you then? What's when when you know you seeing your name on that call sheet next to the word director, what, what does that mean? Um, so I think it means different things to depending on what type of job it is. Cause at the moment I'm I'd say I'm doing a combination of music videos and commercials. So on music videos, um I guess the director is the head creative because he's he or she is the person who writes the concept, who develops the concept. The idea is theirs inherently um, off a brief from the label. And then they go away and they, they execute that on set and, and they're involved in every part of the creative process all the way to, to delivering the final film and all the final stages of post-production, which isn't always the case in commercials. Um, and then in, in commercials, I am the person who realizes or reimagines the creative that's been crafted by an advertising agency's creative director or their creative teams 
So they're the owners uh, of the concept and the creative. And then I kind of reinterpret it and reimagine it and execute it to the best of my ability mm -hmm. um, and then hand it back to them. And they kind of then supervise or oversee the final stages. Okay. That was very like, you got that shit. That's, that's like, that was straight off the bat, cuz. You were going there. That was like... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's 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 funny because if someone, people who aren't in the industry, when they ask me what I do, I, I actually say I'm a filmmaker. Mm. Um, I feel like that's a better description of kind of what I do. And I think there's kind of, there's a there's a crossover with directors and cinematographers, and we're all kind of part of part of the act. We're all kind of filmmakers together. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess more specifically, I guess it's a director. Yeah. Nice. And that. You were talking about the differences between commercials and promos. So just give us a give us a, uh, an, an insight into what does creating an idea and a concept for a promo, how does that differ to get to writing a treatment for a commercial? So um, with music videos, um, you get sent a brief um, from a record label and sometimes the brief is really vague sometimes it's just a paragraph what would it say um, that's like say say for example you got oh god you know eminem's new latest single and you, you see the title do, do you get to hear the music they go here's the title here's the track we want him to be on a ship is it that is it that broad is it that basic or what kind of information can do you be. get to come off it, it totally can be. It can, it can be really broad or sometimes with, with certain artists, they've got like, you know, a, a very specific idea of, you know, like the big artists um, like Seth Delisa or The Weeknd, they're kind of like little agencies in themselves. They've got creative mm -hmm. directors who sculpt what the album is supposed to look like, what what all the press shots are supposed to look like. Oh, and, wow. And in, on those big ones, you're, you're kind of working to their brief, which is generally mm -hmm. really detailed. But for the most part, um, at least, you know, in, in the early days of my career, um, the briefs can be really vague. So, you know, we, we started doing videos in the age of kind of dance, when dance music became EDM, um, became like, you know, one of the, the key genres of music in, in, in Britain. Hmm. Um, and for a lot of those briefs, if you're doing like a, a brief for a Calvin Harris or, or another DJ, for the most part, they don't even want to be in the video. Yeah. So, so they would, the brief would say, you know, it, they, they want it to be bright and colorful and aspirational. That was, that was kind of the style six or seven years ago. Now it's probably a bit darker, but they would say, yeah, that, that would basically be it. And then you'd go away and try and find something that satisfied their brief. But it's kind of, there are no rules. I mean, that there are occasions when I've written an idea, which was completely off brief and it, you know, it may have been commissioned or it may have gone quite far. Other times the reps are like, you know, what are you doing? This is not what they want. Hmm. Um, and do you and talk direct to the reps or is that, does that go through a process? Are you quite close to, to, to that person? Yeah. So uh, again, it, it, it varies. It depends on how experienced you are, um, whether you can get the right person on, on the other end of a telephone. Um, so, you know, I remember when I first started pitching on music videos, I think I pitched on about, 20 or 25 before there was any interest wow so um and then now i'm a bit more established if i have a question I've, i think you know if, if one thing i would say to my younger self is if you can somehow engage the person that you're pitching to 
whether it's an email or a text message or a phone call, I, I feel like your idea or your treatment might go further or might be more carefully considered. Mm -hmm. um, back then when I was, you know, writing three or four or five treatments a week, not getting anywhere with them, I was essentially just a name on a page, someone that I didn't, they, they didn't know, they, they weren't really sure about. But now I feel like, you know, with commissioners on music videos, I've worked with most of them so I can kind of text them or call them or I can go via the rep. The rep is really important. Like when we first started at Familia, our rep was Marissa Garner. She was just starting out because um, she was actually a commissioner at Sony. Mm -hmm. She took a chance on us. Um, and um, yeah, we're, we're really grateful to her. And currently now we're with OB Management, Sam Davey, who are, he, he's, an, he's an amazing rep, one, one of the best reps out there. Um, what do they do? Are they so, getting? Are they? Do they get? Do they kind of get a load of stuff and go? Oh yeah, Sash would be great for that. France would be great for that. You know, do they? Do they? Do they see your niches and and feed that to you? Yeah, that's that's basically exactly what they do. So they they help the commissioners kind of draw up a short list of directors who have a style that would work for the brief, hmm. um, and and then the rep will then speak with us individually and kind of give us a little bit of a creative steer on what the label of the commissioner is looking for and then we go away and we write the treatment and we kind of put the treatment together um so with music videos because of the volume of them and because of the fact that the budgets aren't big it's all kind of in the hands of the director mm. um, and you're pretty much on your own you, you have to go away on your own and you have to kind of develop this creative it then goes to your producer who can kind of confirm or not confirm, which is probably the more common, <laughs> not confirm that it can be made for the money. Yeah. Um, and then you basically have to negotiate the creative with them when they're happy with it. Basically, that means when they when they ask you to take things out and you take a certain number of things out, <laughs> it then goes to the label. Right, um, we'll take the Porsche out. He can get the basis, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then with with commercials, it's a com it's a completely different ball game because your the, the budgets are generally quite you know they're much larger, mm. and the pool of directors being asked to pitch is much smaller. So on a music video, you're anywhere from one in five or one in ten or and sometimes even more than that one in fifteen, one in twenty, one mm. one in twenty directors pitching. Wow, um, they are trying to make some changes so that there are fewer directors and there are a few bodies being set up to kind of ensure that people aren't wasting their time with treatments for music videos and then on commercials you're one of three um, and on commercials you generally have the support of uh, a small team of people yep. um, a researcher your your producer um, any in-house support that's available at the production office and those are that's you know those are little booklets of you know, five or six days of consistent work getting those commercial treat. I've been, I've done a commercial treatment that was like seventy pages long before. Wow! Um, what can you say is, in seventy pages? Yeah, I mean, that a lot of detail. Treatments have they've basically become like chocolate sundays. It's just like people oh, just love. trying to pile it on with the ingredients. Now with the technology, you know, everyone does their treatments in on keynote or on commercials. I guess more people use InDesign and they use these interactive treatments that have gifts embedded into them and then you have a researcher who helps you pull all the imagery and the gifts and helps you think of references that aren't that common um and they've turned into these you know these this these these crazy it's like a volume of 
sometimes I think I've actually worked harder on the treatment than I have on the job itself. <laughs> so one day shoot, seven Madness. days right in the yeah. treatment, one day shoot, a few days in post. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I, I guess different people work in different ways. I mean, you, you can, um, to me, the treatment has always kind of been kind of how, how, how much do you want this job? How badly do you want it? If you really mm. want this, job, you've got to put in the hours, you've got to put in the time. And you've got to think about it and you've got to think about it, think about it in a way that's different to everyone else. That's what I realized in, in the early part of my career. I think everything that I was doing was really formulaic and it was kind of on trend. If someone was doing this and this was popular, I was kind of replicating that. Hmm. Now I kind of go away and just think I spend more time just thinking and doing research. And then I try to find a way to, to, to reinterpret the idea in a way that only I could do. Hmm. And I feel like that process has been much more helpful to me. Um, how, do you, how do you think? What's your process? Um, I just sit, I, well, I, I read the script. I watch the references. And then the first thing I do is I just focus on the words. Um, I find it just helps to kind of, I write down a few tag words. So I'm like, if I can whittle this idea down to a few tag words, what is it? What's the log line? Then I kind of write it up. And then what I do is I go in, I do a lot of research. I look for imagery from, of course, from filmmakers, from cinematographers, but then I try and um, delve into the world of photography. And then the, the researchers, you know, the researchers that I've worked with, they, they're, they're all really you know, amazing people who've got this kind of encyclopedic knowledge of photography and they will find something that, they'll, they'll find something that demonstrates your, the aesthetic that you want, but um, from a photographer that you might not know, hmm. rather than using that really obvious reference. Like I remember when Drive came out, you know, every music video treatment had that kind of heavily stylized nocturnal aesthetic I want a close up of a glove. You're like, we've yeah, seen it. Yeah, exactly. Seen it a hundred times. So, but what I think is really important is that the idea has to kind of live on its own. And then when you've got the words, then you find the imagery to support the words. Mm. Um, but I've made the mistake before of leading with the imagery, um, which then I, I think that your idea then becomes, or at least your treatment then becomes this kind of Frankenstein production where you've taken different things from different people. Um, and then you you step back and you look at it and you're like, well, I'm not sure any of this is actually mine. This just feels like it's a collection of things that I like. Mm. So more recently, I've I've kind of been stricter and I've kind of gone away and just thought about what the core idea is and tried to work out how I would do that idea. And then I kind of work from there. Nice. And does that differ for a music video where or is that very much a similar process for both promos and commercials? I think with with commercials, there's, you're always working off the script or you're working off a template, so that you can only go you can only go so far. Um, music videos, you can kind of go anywhere, but the problem is you're kind of you've got budget limitations. Um, but I've been in. You so know, let's I, say I, let's let's just let's do a little kind of improv, ad lib improv, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a commissioner. Yeah. I've got this artist. They're um, they don't they don't have they don't care or they don't have any idea about what they want they haven't got a creative team around them they give yeah. you the track um what how do you start do you is it one of those you like one of these i go for a walk and i listen to the thing you know francis was saying that he kind of sticks to music hard and sometimes goes for a run 
how do you start the creative process? Yeah, so if I'm if I'm going to pitch on it, the first thing I do is I, I read the brief and I listen to the song. And the song, of course, is the main. You've got to feel something. Mm. Uh, the song has to make you feel something. Otherwise, that you know, I generally tend not to pitch on it if if I'm getting nothing from the music. Um, and if I like the brief or I think it's interesting, I will just sit with it, which I think is really important. What does um, that mean? I just what does that mean? It means I just listen to the song, um, and I'll go for a walk or I'll go for a run, or I'll listen to it on my commute home, whether I'm on the train or whether I'm cycling or walking even. Um, and then I'll kind of put it, I'll kind of leave it, I'll give it some time, and then I'll come back to it and I'll listen to the song again, and then I'll kind of start working, conceptualizing it. Hmm. Sometimes the idea comes to you immediately. Um, Is that when it's easy to write the treatment? I, I think it is, but I think there's also a danger in, I, you know, the thing, the thing about if you're a creative person and you're trying to come up with ideas, sometimes the first idea is the best idea, but sometimes it, it's, or frequently I would say it's not. Mm. So, um, and it also now with this kind of new way of pitching and music videos, labels are asking directors to not put too much time into the treatment, but to, to propose a number of ideas. They, they call them top lines where you deliver them three or four different ideas and they say, okay, well, idea two is actually interesting. Why don't you go away and develop that? Okay. So that seems a like a very cool way of doing it. Uh, kind of like, yeah. you know, coming out it fresh from having no understanding of the process. You, I guess, you know, that, that top line having four or five ideas, because you might like all of them a little bit, but not know which mm -hmm. way to go. And, and I guess you choosing one of them, then very much cements you on a path that actually is well away from what they would want. So that, that feels like a really clever system. Yeah. So the, the, um, the Daniels um, directing American directing duo, who do really amazing work. They, they, they started out doing music videos. They now do films. They founded something called redirect music videos. And it's basically something that ensures that particularly music video directors don't spend hours and days working on treatments that don't get considered. Mm. So this new process is basically to ensure, you know, you, you go away and you come up with three or four ideas and then the label will like, yeah, that's the one you should go away and write. And then they're, they're invested. They've shown an interest in your idea. So then that kind of provokes you to, well, or I would say, I don't know what the right word is, but then you can go away and you can invest that time and know that mm. someone's actually going to consider it. But yeah, I think, I think it's an interesting way of working. I think, um, Sometimes John, if you know John Cleese did this amazing um, speech on creativity. He's done a few, and you can watch them on on, um, on YouTube. But he he says that um, John Cleese, the actor. John, yeah, John Cleese, the actor. Yeah, the tall he, from Monty Python. Yeah, Forty Towers. Love that guy. guy. <laughs> Love that from guy. The Greg Line ads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he says sometimes if you don't have an idea or you have a, a kind of half an idea, it's better just to keep thinking, to, to sit in a room and just keep thinking or keep walking or, or wait, just just carry on with that process. And, and then the real idea will kind of form in your head. Mm. Um, so I think that's really important to bear in mind that like, you just have to give it time. Sometimes you might, there have been occasions where I've had a track on a Friday and I've meant to send in a, a treatment on a Monday morning and I've listened to it all day Friday and I've got nothing. Saturday, wake up early, go for a run, have a cup of coffee, listen to it again, I've got nothing. And then I'm like, oh, well, maybe I could do this or there's that idea from that other job that 
went quite far. Maybe I could use that. And I feel like that can be really lazy if you think like that. So then I'll just keep thinking, I'll keep thinking. And then lo and behold, 6 p.m. on Sunday, I'm like, all right, I've got it, I've got it. And it just comes to you. And it nice. comes, it, sometimes it comes to you when you're watching a football match or when you're doing something completely unrelated. And then you just have to get to your laptop and just, you know, put in a few hours. And, and I feel like that's, for me, I found that to be a much better way of working mm. um, than just going with the first idea. But that was, yeah, a very long and convoluted answer. Love it, dude. But this is, <laughs> this is, this is it. This is, these are the conversations that people like hearing when, you know, if, if I was a young runner wanting to be a director, not knowing any of those processes, um, they're the chats that I'd want to hear, man. Yeah, great. Um, now that, you know, you are where you are, you've been directing now for seven, eight years, something. Yeah. Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. What was your process in? How did you start off your path in? What was your door? What was the door that opened for you? So, um, I, 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 from about the age of 13, I think I, I kind of wanted to be a director. Um, oh, wow. Was, That's early. I always Amazing. wanted to. I was infatuated with the movies. and Which my, one? Um, top which movie. one? Go on, top movie right now. A bit of a not a cliched answer. I'd probably say the Godfather. Only... Yeah, straight. One, so, two, or three. Or one or two. One and two. No one says three. No one says three. <laughs> but um my so I'm half Iranian, my mum's Iranian. Um, and my grandmother would come when I was growing up, my grandmother would come to London from Tehran. I grew up in West London, and um she would stay with us for like three or six months at a time. And she was a cinephile. She she loved the movies, classic Hollywood movies. Mm. And I remember that we just got the cable and there was a channel called Sky Movies Classics. And on this channel, they just played classic Hollywood films from you know the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, and I would wait for my parents to go to sleep and I would creep downstairs and I would watch these classic films with my grandmother, you know, nice. like Gone with, Gone, Gone with the Wind, Dr. Zhivago, Casablanca, The Godfather. Yeah. And all of the English that my grandmother smoke, spoke was um, derived from the movies. <laughs> um, so I'd say to her, you know, when are we going to have dinner? And she'd turn around and she'd say, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. <laughs> which, yeah, which is the last line from Gone with oh, the yeah. Wind. She's like that. Um, Go to bed or you'll find you have a horse's yeah. head. In you. And you're like, oh, shit, sorry, no, no. <laughs> What was she? What did she call you? What was her name for you? Say again. What, what did she call you? What was her name for you? Um, she called me. She called me Puya, which is actually my my first name. Sasha's my middle name. Is um, it? Yeah. My, my my parents gave me a really unpronounceable Iranian <laughs> first name, and then Puya. Say again. English boarding school. Um, Puya, spelled P-U-Y-A-R. Puya. Puya. Oh, yeah. There you which, go. Yeah, I, but they used to call me Pooman at school. <laughs> <laughs> So like that, I'll go with Sasha. <laughs> anyway, um, so you start so watching I, these films, and that start does that love does that love of films just grow? And then you went, I want to be a director, or was it just I want to get into film? Um, I guess I didn't really know what a director did at that time, but I I kind of was infatuated with the movies, and then I would read books. I kind of I could, my my taste became a bit more. I kind of knew what I liked, um, and then I would research. You know, but I loved Martin Scorsese, so I'd read books. Um, about him and, and Spike Lee and um, and I realized that most of these people would go to film school so then it became about you know how, how do I how do I go to film school um, 
I went to a school in West London and then Spike Lee and Martin Scorsese went to a film school in New York called NYU. So I applied there. It was a complete long shot. I didn't think I'd have any chance of getting in. Mm. Um, but I applied for this scholarship and I somehow got a place on the scholarship. Amazing. Um, so I, I went to New York and I was there from 2000. My first semester there was the was was 9-11 was when the twin oh, towers came down oh. um in 2001 so yes strange strange time to be in new york but um i was there for four and a half years but ultimately i would say that film school didn't really give me that much because i think i think i was i was probably too young i was too immature i wasn't sufficiently committed i think if you if you want to be a thing about filmmaking or working in the industry I, it's not it's not just a career it's it's definitely not just a job i think it's um it's a lifestyle choice it's yeah. like you know it's you've got to be all in com, you know completely committed and i definitely wasn't um and i'm so anyway i was there for four and a half years i came back to london i got a job as an in-house runner um at a commercial production company um, and then I was there for about six months. Then I started working as a director's assistant, um, helping a, a specific director writing treatments. He was a, a car commercial director, a guy called Gerard Detain. Um, oh, you know, there, I think you've dropped this name down here, Sash. I think you got, you, I think you dropped that. <laughs> <laughs> I got massive. Love it. Uh, what did you learn from him? What did I learn from him? Well, he was he he's known for doing massive car commercials you know yeah, like yeah. The people who don't know car commercials can have the biggest budgets of, of all commercials mm -hmm. um so i realized when you work on on jobs of that scale that you can pretty much have anything that you want he would he was often like you know globe trotting shooting all around the world and i'd be working at um at a, at a production office in london in soho um so i was there for about six months that taught me a lot about pitching the process of pitching and how to win a job mm -hmm. um but the real thing that i wanted to do was get onto set and um, that was that was kind of the thing that i was i was struggling to find a way of getting onto set and everyone who i spoke to told me that you needed to get one of these diary services um, and the one that kept coming back to me was um, a diary service called red run by a woman called lynn hurley um, and i remember so i i called her up she said no i'm 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 fully subscribed at the moment um and then i basically just emailed her every month for six months nice um, and every month i would make the emails more witty and more funny and i think i basically just wore her down um and then she <laughs> she's like i can't take another one of your emails i'll take it just stop <laughs> so um i think there's a, i mean there's there's a lesson in that because i don't, I don't think anyone gets to where they want to be by just asking and, and the doors kind of opening up for them. I yeah. basically persevered and I just kept going. And That's a she, bold she, move to kind of go from being a, a director's assistant to a, a globally huge director when you want to direct yourself to go, I'm going to go and, and learn a craft on the film set floor. That's, that's a big, bold decision. Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, I think you learn in terms of like every part of the process that like the, being on as a director and throughout the whole process of making a film or making a music video or a commercial, the, the days that you're on set for me are the most enjoyable. That's, that's really what it's all about. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to tap into that. I wanted to be close to the action. Mm. Um, even though I always wanted to work in features, 
I actually did um, a short run on a couple of beaches um, and I really didn't enjoy it. I, I worked on Pirates of the Caribbean 4. Mm-hmm. I was an AD in the horse unit. Nice. Basically, I was only involved whenever the horses were involved. <laughs> Most of the time, I just hung around the stables. <laughs> um, and then um, I did a few dailies on Johnny English too. And what I found about those these big these big films is that you're you're a small piece in a massive puzzle. Yeah. But then I did a few days on commercials, and I the crews were much smaller, and I can get close to the action, and it's you're in and you're out, and you've also got time to work on your own stuff because you'll do a you know you'll do a three day job, and then you won't be working for a couple of days, so that gives me time to kind of work on my own stuff, and then I'll mm. go away and do do another job, and that was a much more kind of helpful educational experience, much more so than film school. So I was with read for about four or five years i think and um basically you know when i when i was invited onto this podcast i just made a list i went back through my runner cv and made a list of all of the amazing people who i got to see work um so over the course of four or five years i i i met or got to work on sets run by um emmanuel lebetsky alejandro inuritu Sean Bobbitt, Sophie Muller, Danny Kleinman, who's been on this Legend. podcast also, Legend. Danny Cohen, Malcolm Banville, Jared Hess, Sam Faramand, John DeBorman, Steve Keith Roach, Dominic, Brian Buckley, Diane Martell, Carrie Fukunaga, Michael Winterbottom, Joseph Kahn. I mean, like these guys, people there. Just so you know, he didn't, he didn't just read that off a computer. They're just names that he has in his head. He's got them tattooed on his <laughs> arm. He's <laughs> so... So that was that was basically my film school. I got to see all these amazingly talented people not who, bad. Who, I, who I admired. I got to see them work. I got to see all these different situations on set. I got to see how different people communicate. I, mm. I got to understand what jobs went well. What you know, I also learned a lot. I think when you're a runner, when things are going really well, um, and the production is just working like this well-oiled machine, you don't really understand what everyone does because everything's working so well everyone's putting so much time before you've even got there mm. but but over the course of those years that i was running i also worked on some really bad productions you know jobs that didn't have enough you're gonna list enough. out their names as well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jobs, that <didn't, laughs> um, jobs that didn't have um enough lead time or jobs where the director was clashing with the agency or where yeah. there was tension on set or where the director wasn't a very good communicator or there were too many shots for the shoot day um you know so it was it was it was amazing you know towards the end of it i was probably i got a bit jaded um but for the most part it was um it was it was you know it was, it's yeah and that's where i met you i met you in i think it was one of my first running jobs yeah or it was team one. mobile in trafalgar square trafalgar square i think second unit, unit rob um, thorpe yeah rob thorpe ten ten thousand extras um <laughs> Yeah, and you say because I said to you, I always like to chat. I was like, oh, so what do you want to be? And you're like, I'm going to be a director. And you hear it so many times. You know, I was running. You you chat to new people that you'd never met. They go, oh, I think I want to direct. And it's like, and you just know gut instinct. You're like, yeah, I'm not sure. You'd be like, I'm going to be a director. I was like, cool. Like had like complete and out of favor. I was like, this dude's going to make it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to let that sit for a while. I'm just like, no, but it's true. But it, you know, from from a from a from a perspective of that next generation looking up to you, it's like I was there 
on the jobs where you know and you, and you are making teas and you are changing bins and you are sweeping floors and you are you know in the stables shoveling yeah. shit that's filmmaking that's learning the craft of being on a film set you know did that yeah, mold that, you to be the director you are i th- i mean that the experience of doing those jobs and doing doing all of them um and doing the really difficult ones doing the ones you know at, being outside so you know like 15 16 hours day on like one of the coldest days of the year or the really difficult jobs like those are the ones that really test your resolve and i think you have to go through that to know that you want to be in this game because mm. you know talking about it it might sound like it's glamorous but there is there is so much shit that you have to basically oh, God. get through to, to yeah, get yeah. anywhere um so that there's a lot of standing and, in fields when it's raining yeah it's like you know five degrees and you forgot your spare pair of socks and you you know you're, you're about 15 minutes away from getting trench foot but you gotta keep locking off you know it's it standard completely completely and, and you know I, I always i always wanted to kind of being on set the, the other thing is when i'm being being a runner is that you're no one would you're not there to have an opinion you're, you're there to facilitate the the great the kind of the bigger production you're there mm-hmm. to you're you're part of a team you're part of a a really big team and and your job is a very specific job and you just have to help all these different departments and you're part of this kind of wider family and you're all in the pursuit of making this one thing that's kind of led by the led by the the head creative or, or the director and understanding that i think is is really really important because it's not it's not like a it's not something it's not like tennis it's not just you out there it's it's um there's a whole army of you um but yeah that's that whole kind of five or six years was definitely definitely really important um i think just to kind of p- prepare me for what i had to for all the things that I, I needed to be like willing to put put on the put on the table if i wanted to carry on doing this hmm. and that i guess that that experience also maybe helps you make realistic treatments or am I, am I just making that that shit up yeah i i, I think so i mean the, the, my situation i guess is different from other directors because i'm a partner in a production company and I, I think to some degree that's been a, a huge help but i also think to some extent you know for directors who are just at production companies when they can focus entirely on the creative but i think i went through i definitely went through a period where i was writing up ideas and in the back of my head, I was like, can this be made for the budget? Can this be made for the budget? Can be made for, can this, yeah. And the answer more often than not was no. And then I would change the idea. Whereas I, I realized with other directors, who some directors who don't even know about production, they don't understand the, the, the mechanics of how production works. Yeah. They just lead with the creative side hmm. and they really push hard to deliver that and they fight for everything. So I guess it, I guess it varies. I guess you, probably need to find a balance hmm. um but um kind of le- leading with the idea not worrying too much about budget um yep. because i'm a partner in a production company so i've i i understand budget i i've, I've had to understand how budgets work yeah um I, I i kind of understand that as good as the film is you there, there needs to you have to preserve markup and you have to ensure that that's protected and sometimes that clouds your artistic judgment mm. um but now i guess when it comes to just kind of exclusively being and now we kind of have things in place the, the producers at familia are really good at shielding us from all of that and just allowing us to focus just on the creative Amazing. but in the early days we were kind of 
we were trying to make the best film that we could, but really conscious of uh, of not blowing the budget. Nice. And one, I like one question that I do like to ask is: uh, Was there a point that you suddenly went, "I'm a, I yeah, I feel like a director now." Um. Yeah, I guess no, not really. You know, talking to you, kind of. It's 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 uh, it's, a, it's a good question. It's the the funny thing is you're kind of looking for recognition in in some respect, um, but ultimately I think that's why I go back to you know your initial question as to what I am and and I I kind of prefer filmmaker because if I'm in the if I'm in the act of making films I'm a filmmaker and yeah. that's what I'm doing at the moment and I, I'm making films and if I'm not making music videos or if I'm not making commercials I'm making films for myself. I'm collaborating with DOPs who I really like with, with passion projects. So yeah, that's, I, I don't know. No, I guess there wasn't a moment where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a director. I mean, I can give you, a, I can give you a kind of reverse answer to that where I remember on my 30th birthday, I, I was kind of, I was still running and that was a real low moment. And I was like, fuck, I'm still making tea and coffee for a living. Like that's basically it. But then because you have those negative thoughts and they do creep yeah. into your head but then you just kind of you go you, you kind of bat them to one side and then you're like no, that's who cares about that just just focus on what you want to do and what you want to do is making films and just focus on that mm. and that's basically what i've done for the last seven years i've just been making films and if people like them that's great if people commission me to make films for their artists if they're a record if they're a record label or for their brand if they're an agency i, I think that's great but I'm just in the pursuit of making films and that's kind of, that's how I look at it. What have you learned on that journey? What have I learned? That you have to work really hard, that you, um, you have to say please and thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Man. Um, but you have to want to, you have to be really humble. Um, and you have to also, um, you have, I think the most important thing is that you have to you have to stay in your lane. You have to kind of run your own race, um, and I think that's a really important thing because when I was the, when I was first starting directing, I was constantly looking around me. I'm like, oh, what's that person doing? Or that person's getting that job? Or you know, on Instagram, that director's always traveling to these amazing places. And then I realize none of that matters, and that's all completely irrelevant. And you just have to focus on yourself and what you want to be doing, the film mm. that you want to be making and make lists, make lists about things that you need to accomplish or small things. And then I think you, you have this feeling of accomplishment and it allows you to move forwards. I think if you think like that, you'll get to the end of the year and you're like, Oh wow, like I, I did all these things and, and that's really nice. And then you make another list and you, you start all over again. Um, so I think it's important to kind of, you're kind of, it's not a competition. It's not a race. You just need to kind of focus on yourself and what you want to be doing and just work towards that small steps. Nice. Is there a question that I've missed that you as the young director would be like, fuck, you should have, why didn't he ask him that? Um, going off pace now. I'm going off pace now. <laughs> These aren't written down. <laughs> I would say definitely. If if I could give myself one bit of advice, it's it's a silly thing, but I would say spend less time on Instagram. Nice. <laughs> spend less time like worrying about what other people are doing and just focus on yourself. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, look, it feels like I think we've even gone past the 45, I think, because I, I kind of had, I know, it's flown by, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so the last, the last little bit would be advice to younger self. And the thing is, you've naturally done that throughout the, throughout the spot. So I'm not even going to double up on that question. So I'm just going to, I'm going to say thank you for coming on and for giving your time when you could be doing so many other things with an hour of your day. Um, so thanks for kind of coming on and, 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 um, and answering, you know, the questions that I actually, one story that I do want to hear before, before I do the applause and it's all you, I want to hear the tattoo story. So listeners, just oh, so you know, <laughs> out of the, out of the three, out of the three that we're going to talk to, out of the three directors we're going to talk to, Sasha seems to be the only one that has got familiar tattooed in the, in the font on his arm and i kind of see the other boys and none of them have got it so just just quickly just tell me that story and then and then the floor is yours for the shout outs um okay so i was in amsterdam um always a good place for a story to start i, I was cycling I was, <laughs> I was cycling around and i wasn't stoned for the record <laughs> um and there was a tattoo parlor that was called familia and their typeface was really similar to the one that we'd use for, for our logo. So I um, I popped in, I popped into the tattoo parlor um, and um, the song that they were playing um, in, in the space was the same song that I was listening to on my headphones when I walked Stop in. Stop it. Um, and I was like, I was like, it's a sign. But I had no idea what to get, but so, so I just went with Familia. Love um, it. And um, people think I'm absolutely bonkers for doing that, but I guess it was just a spontaneous, a spontaneous thing. Um, uh, but now that's so that's why I got it. But now people who don't know me that well, but know that you know I'm affiliated with a production company called Familia, mm. they're like they're like, oh man, like, well that's that's real commitment there, man. Like you're like you're really dedicated to the cause. You're like that's like getting a, a Nike tick tattooed on your arm <laughs> if you work for Nike. And it's that's not what it was about, but that's how it's been. Um, been interpreted by some people and i do find myself sometimes when i go into agencies or labels for for like a first meeting uh. like wearing a long, wearing a long <laughs> shirt so people can't see it um, and also interestingly about three months after i got the tattoo we did like a whole company rebrand and we changed the logo oh so, no um, i don't know if that's good or bad so um so, so the yeah, other boys need to get they need to get it tattooed the three of you need to do it like some you know it's like you know the power rangers all of a sudden the three of you just put your arms together <laughs> well look yeah. mate, i've had such a great time it's been such an amazing chat thank you so much um mate, the last so bit, much having me and I'm, I'm loving your podcast appreciate um, it man. thanks very much man um, i always like to give the last the last however long you want as your time shout outs who do you want to give a shout out to people places things um the floor is yours sir um so what yeah so um there's a community called poc p-o-c-c -C. it's basically a community that aims to positively change the experiences of people of color within the creative industries mm -hmm. so anyone out there listening who's black or asian and wants to network or seek advice mentorship in advertising the arts film um, it's led by some really talented people um, and I know that some producers have been using it to kind of make their sets more diverse and kind of ensure a 50-50 split of men and women on set. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's that's POC. And um, the other one is Frontline Foods. 
so it's an American charity that um, Familia, um, Toby and, and James Lovick, a director, they, um, they did a film. It's basically a scheme that allows people to get food for frontline workers from local restaurants. So it's kind of helping the, the local community um, in lockdown and, mm -hmm. and also feeding frontline workers. Amazing. Look at that. We finished with two amazing, amazing things. A great chat, a great man. Ladies and gents, Thanks, Thank you. You. this guy. Um, so, guys, look, I just want to I want to keep saying thank you to all you listeners who have, have kind of been sticking with me through lockdown for all the lovely messages that you're sending me on the Instagram and texting and WhatsApp and emails. Um, I really, really thank you. It kind of it keeps spurring me on. So thank you. Um, drop a little review in the Apple podcast charts because that seems to help. We got into Canada, America, and Sweden, and Germany, and Australia. Like it's it's mind it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. So just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, keep listening to the rest of the podcast this week for more people from Familia. And until we meet again, you lovely, lovely people. That is a wrap. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast.